So we've all had to compete against businesses much bigger than us, right? And sometimes it can end in tears. Well, not for today's guest. It started in tears, but now she's taking on the big boys and winning thanks to some very smart marketing. So strap in, team, for a bit of David versus Goliath. Yeah, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo Hey, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, but you, so much more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing. And that is what we do around here. Big show today. I have a fireside chat with Karen Justice. She's the founder of Just for Pets, which is Australia's biggest pet buying group. Pet store buying group, I should say. Not pet buying group. Karen shares some very clever marketing tactics she's using to ensure her 70 plus member stores stay relevant as the big boys close in on her from all sides. It's a wonderful, wonderful David versus Goliath story as I said up front. I also uh, I play an awkward grab from a pre-interview I did with next week's guest. Kind of an interesting little uh, twist and turn that uh, happened during that interview. Plus, I share an inspiring marketing quote from none other than the wonderful marketer himself, Pablo Picasso. Or is it Pablo? Pablo? I don't know. Tomato, tomato. So, big show, hey? Told you. And it is brought to us by the very good folk at NetRegistry who get your online marketing store sorted over at netregistry.com.au and Audible, who has got more than 180,000 audiobooks ready for immediate download. And you can grab one for free over at audibletrial.com forward slash SBBM. As per usual, there is marketing gold dripping from the Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So, let's get stuck Right in. Join the small business big marketing community and have your marketing questions answered by other motivated business owners, including Timbo, over at crankmymarketing.com. Haven't checked in for a couple of weeks. How's everything? Business good? You're nailing it. I do hope so. I've had a pretty good week. Uh, Some good stuff happening inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum. Had an exclusive member webinar only yesterday with Mike Rhodes, who is Australia's leading Google AdWords specialist, and he shared what's working uh, with Google AdWords in 2015 and beyond. Brilliant, brilliant webinar, and uh, it's available fully recorded for all forum members to have a listen to forever after. Uh, also, I did a great interview with a lady who started a business called Prize Pig, which allows small businesses to get on uh, some national media coverage. That was kind of interesting. That's in the forum. And how's this? I have made an exclusive offer to all forum members who have been a member for more than three months to record me an up to 30 second piece of audio sharing what they've learned from either listening to the show or being a forum member and to promote their business. And I'm going to play them each week, one a week, going forward forever after. I thought that's just a nice way to give back because we are all about helping small business succeed. And that was just another additional way that we are going to do that going forward. So uh, looking forward to playing the first one next week. 99 Designs will be back in July for three months sponsoring this show. Love that. They've been out of action a bit because uh, their budgets have been sucked up by much bigger podcasts over in the United States of America. But they're back 
because they missed us. Got to love that. Um, I'm speaking at the Cairns Chamber of Commerce, a luncheon they're putting on in FNQ, far north Queensland, on June 23. Head over to their website, cairnschamber.com.au, and you can um, book a ticket. Come and see me. Say g'day. And uh, Paul Greenberg. You know past guest Paul Greenberg, who is head of the National Online Retailers Association? He's got some very cool expeditions happening in Melbourne and Sydney uh, later in June, where you go and visit some really good online retailers like Vino Mofo uh, and check out what they do at their headquarters. Um, Head over to Nora nora.org.au and you can book those. I was going to go on the Melbourne one, but I've just been booked uh, for a job to speak, so I can't. Um, Went and visited my mates at Net Registry last week in Sydney. Great to have Karen back after some maternity leave. Karen, I know you listen, so lovely to see you again. And uh, so overall, a ripper week, and I hope yours was just as good. Small business, big marketing. Righto, let's get stuck into today's guest. Now, before I introduce her... I've got to say, these are my favourite types of guests, bricks and mortar business owners who are cranking out some really clever marketing in a crowded marketplace. They're the kind of guests that I'll be looking for going forward. And uh, Karen Justice from Just for Pets fits right into that. Just for Pets is an independent buying group for over 70 retail pet shops around Australia. And she is in a battle with the big guys, the big guys with big budgets, you know, those sort of those national big organisations that come in and try and knock out the little guys. And she's doing a really good job uh, at keeping them at bay. We cover a lot of ground in this interview, but primarily it is about the David versus Goliath story. Uh, And Karen shares with us how she's been fending off the top end of town and building a really strong national retail brand in what is, get this, a a multi-billion dollar pet industry. As usual, I love you to hit my guests up on Twitter, tell them you heard them on the show and whatever you want to share with them. So Karen, is uh, her Twitter handle is at just for pets AUS, Oz, AUS, just for pets AUS. So love you to hit her up on Twitter. I started off by asking Karen, if she was a dog, what breed would she be and why? A Labrador. Yeah. Because they can eat anything and they have the best fun and love the water. That's me. They love a <laughs> feed, the old labs, don't they? Yeah, just like me. <laughs> Feeding and digging. I know when we, right. we, we, we've got a Labradoodle, and I know when we were looking at dogs, my wife said, Oh, we should get a lab. And I just thought, You know what? I like our garden. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They can destroy a garden. I've bred Labradors, and I had quite a few Labradors in my backyard at one time. There was nothing, it was barren. Mm. What would your yeah. name be? <laughs> okay, what would my name be? Uh, Lily, because purely because one of my dogs is Lily and I loved her. Oh, beautiful. Hey, now let's get serious. Well, that was serious, a very serious oh, okay. question. Oh, very, very serious. Yeah. Now, just for pets, you bought that in 2009. Yes. But it was just a business, you tell me. It was a shell of a business. It was an idea. I must confess I didn't do the due diligence that I should have. I thought I had. Ooh. And once I took over the business, I realised what a terrible, terrible lemon I had bought and scrapped what I bought and started again. Wow. So um, how long – well, you're very naughty, by the way, for not doing the due diligence. I thought I had. I just didn't dig deep enough. What did you miss? 
uh, I missed the group is made up of uh, what we call members, so independent pet retail stores. What I didn't do, I store a database. They had 98 stores on that database. What I didn't do was ring 98 stores uh. because that was part of the – she didn't want me to do that. She was doing negotiations at the time. And something like 40 of them had resigned. How many stores did you ring? Uh, I communicated with probably 15, 20. Yeah, I was talking to them, but I didn't talk to all of them. And, you know, my accountant saw the numbers and went, oh, Karen, this is a no-brainer. But what everyone did once I had taken over the business, they were looking for an out. She'd had them tied up and with the switch of business owner, they got out. They were able to get out and that's what I took over. Tell us about the moment where you realised that what you thought you'd bought wasn't actually the case. Oh, I remember it so vividly. It was about 15 days after I bought the business. And I had decided my first port of call was to visit all the suppliers that um, previous business owner had negotiated with. And I had seen probably eight or ten suppliers while I was in Sydney. And it was a Friday afternoon and for the eighth or tenth time they had said to me, what did you do? I hope you didn't spend too much money because this business is a joke. I got out into the car in the car park of the supplier and burst into tears and went, oh, my God, what have I done? And um, But... I, I, I had something. I'd paid money for it. I had. I realised I had to turn that around because I just couldn't throw away that money. And I spent 12 months literally reinventing it from scratch, changed its name, changed its ideas, changed the way it operated, and that's where I am today. Good on you. <laughs> I mean, many, many wouldn't have. Uh, many, would, many would have still been in that car park crying. <laughs> I was there a long time. <laughs> wow. Uh, did you turn to anyone in particular or did you have support? Look, I actually turned to some of the people that had said to me, basically they were calling me an idiot. And um, so I turned to some of them and said, well, what is it that you need as a supplier to continue to support this? I didn't get that same opportunity with members because they were just out. They had been burned. They'd put good money after good money. So I turned to the suppliers and started working with them a little more closely and had a lot of meetings in those first sort of six months trying to tweak what I was offering. I worked with a, an advertising company to and brainstormed some ideas and then the, it was a full probably 14 months after I, I bought it, the few members that I had left, I got a conference together, delivered my concept got some enthusiasm, and then that enthusiasm from those retailers, they went out and told a few other people. Goodness me, what a journey. So really, you started from scratch, and I imagine a, a name change would have been fundamental to that. Uh, I had to get rid of everything that that other one represented. And to this day, people still go, are you associated with such and such? I'm not even going to say the name because mm, it's mm. like a Voldemort name for me. Yes, and I go, we're not that business we came from that place but we are completely different and fortunately i've got a lot of stuff that i can deliver to um the retailers to prove that i'm nothing like that business was wow so what are we talking like sort of 14 months after that car park session yes you've launched just for pets yes and how many members have you got uh, 44 44 which is now you've now got over 70 is that right Yes, got seven, just under 70, sorry, 60. Okay, so can you explain, because you aren't, a, you're not a retailer, correct? You're an independent buying group. That's right. So what Just a Pets is, and, and the easiest way to explain this to the people that ask me what I do, is we are the IGA of the pet world. So IGA is Independent Grocers Association where 
all the independent grocery stores got together to try and compete with the Coles and Woolies of the world. So the pet industry or the, and the sales of pet accessories and foods is an, a massively growing space. Mm-hmm. They're saying that by 2020, we're looking at about $12 billion and we're currently only 7.6. So you can see how much growth is going to happen mm-hmm. in the next five years. So with that came a lot of corporate money going, they needed to get into this space. So suddenly independents were up against the likes of people that were from Coles and Woolies because the corporates, which are Pet Barn, Pet Stock, and there's a few others, they're employing people out of Woolies and Coles to help them negotiate and they're negotiating really hard. And independent, little independent pet shops, in all honesty, a lot of them started because they loved animals. I want to explore uh, that, that whole notion of the David and Goliath battle, but before I do that, just explain to me... Because there's an interesting branding model going on here, which I haven't quite got my head around. And I know many business owners struggle with branding. So your business is called Just for Pets. The local Just for Pets business closest to me is called Passion for Pets. That's right. And I'm assuming that all the other members have different store names, you know, Mike's Pets, Sally's Pets, you know, whatever the store name is. Exactly. So how does Just for Pets show itself as part of their brand. So it's co-branded. So passion for pets, part of the Just for Pets family. That's a bit like having the heart tick on Skinny Milk or the Intel sticker on a Dell computer. It's kind of like a – it's the um, – yes. It's I call it the powerhouse model. So you're kind of powering – you're an overarching brand that powers the, the, the little guy. That's right. And, and because, like, understanding a model – like if you're marketing on behalf of 70 stores, you can't have 70 individual names. So we had to find something in common that that would represent all of us because if you make a national television ad, you can't have Passion for Pets, Billy's mm. Shop, Sally's Shop. So we have Just the Pets and then the stores co-brand. And we've actually got an initiative that's sort of starting to sneak out as some of the stores are wanting to change their name purely to Just the Pets. So that's not mm. wasn't my idea. I, I don't – I'm not – massively attached to the Just Pets name that I want Just Pets stores everywhere, but we had to have something that had us all in common and that was it. Well, it kind of, you know, I always grew up on the premise that you build one brand well. Yes. Which kind of supports the idea of going to Just for Pets potentially, but I'm sure there's some members' stores that are very attached to their name. Absolutely, and some of them have been, like we've got uh, a third generation, group of stores that are third generation, so They've had their name for a very long time, and mm. at a local level, that name is very important to them. So yep. they're not about to change that. But my research shows that the customer perceives better buying, better pricing if you are part of something bigger now. Yeah. Because the customer is, you know, there's Retrovision and, and, and IGA is obviously the main one, and Mitre 10. That they're all familiar with that are independent businesses. Yeah. Gotcha. So let's talk David and Goliath. You're being pushed around by the big guys? Big time. Very much so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Overtly or just kind of in, in their what they're doing in the marketplace? No. I would say as obviously as you could possibly imagine. <laughs> oh, give me a big example. Like mid- midnight phone calls? No. Biggest amazing example is one of uh, an independent pet store. Uh, been there for 30 years. Great store. Great customers, large database. One of the corporate brands opened up directly opposite that store. Like there's zillions of acres around them, but they opened up directly in front. That if you drove out of the independent store, 
you didn't even have to move your steering wheel to go in across the road and into the driveway of the other one. Wow. So they don't create customers, they try and steal them. So, okay, so this is what happened? What happened to the independent store? Well, the independent was very savvy, actually, and built the loyalty knowing they were coming and offered them and saying, support us, we've been here for 30 years, we look after you, blah, 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 and even gave every local customer that had been there for, for the time an extra 10% discount, and he actually survived and blitzed the corporate store. Really? But that's 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 a happy ending story. There's not a lot of those, unfortunately. Okay, so give me a sad ending. Um, sad ending is, look, the corporate brands, the, the space that we're taking up, in the pet specialty is only about, 10 or 12% of the marketplace because Coles and Woolies still have mm. a lot of the pet accessory sales. But the mindset of an independent business, if they see a pet store, a pet stock or a pet farm come to town, there's a little bit of panic and they do things that are not good for their business. So if we could get them to stay calm, they can get through it. But the reality is that they do open up and in, sometimes within months the independent is closed. And does panic involve uh, just price cutting? Yes. Yeah. Yes. They can't price compete. Okay, so let's do a little bit of role play. I'm an independent. Yes. The big fellas are opening up across the road. I am shitting myself, and I call you to tell you that I'm about to run a weekly sale where everything's just going to be cut in half. What do you say to me? I would actually talk you out of it. So what the, what at my experience with those um, the big players is that they go hard with specials, um, usually for four to six weeks, and Every single one of our stores will feel the pinch before the six weeks because human nature says, let's go and, you know, curiosity, let's, let's go and have a look, let's go and explore, let's buy something cheap. But the reality is the experience inside those shops is not that of an independent. So I tell my retailers to stick to what you're good at, and that is great service. You offer great advice. You know most of the people by name. Quite often they know the animal's name. People love that experience. Australians like that sort of stuff, you know, going to a pet store and, hey, how's Fluffy today? Mm. They don't get that in a corporate store. So I tell them to stick. Yes, they can do some specials. I'm not discouraging that, but don't go hard and, and price compete against them. Yeah. It's not possible. Yeah, so it's that four to six weeks, deep breath, team, suck it in, it's going to hurt. Yes, yes. And, yeah, let them experience what it's what non-personalised service feels like. Love it. That's right. Yes. Listeners, I'm speaking with Karen Justice, founder of Independent Buying Group Just for Pets. Before we talk marketing and brand experience, here's a word from two businesses that can turbocharge your marketing. A common complaint I hear from small business owners is that marketing their business online does their head in. Sound familiar? Is your website not producing the results you'd love? Is it hard to update? Does it rank poorly on Google? If your head's nodding, then maybe it's time to give NetRegistry a buzz. They'll get your online marketing sorted quickly and cheaply. NetRegistry actually hosts the small business big marketing website. You don't need to be a pro when it comes to the internet team because they are, and they make it simple and straightforward, getting you a domain name, website hosting, design, whatever you need to market your business effectively online. Visit netregistry.com.au or call them on 1300 638 734 to get your online marketing sorted today. And tell them Timbo sent you. Get on Timbo's mailing list over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Audible is offering you a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. 
Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SBBM and choose from over 180,000 audiobooks. Download a title for free right now. Well, after the show's finished. <laughs> Seriously, it's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SBBM and get started today. Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com And we're back, Karen. So... Let's talk about experience. Let's talk about, therefore, what sets you apart from these big buying groups. What's the number one thing that does that? Service. Yeah. Truly believe service is our number one. So so do you, because that's, I mean, that could be a cliche. We hear that a lot. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm guessing that's not with you. What? How do you embed amazing customer service into these independents? You know, we've spent 18 months trying to work out because, you know, service and advice, that's such a catchphrase now that everyone uses and we're part of your local community is also one. We wanted to find something. How do you tell the customers that you are a different experience to a corporate store? How do you tell them that you offer service and advice? And it can't just be that, oh, I'll carry your dog food to the boot of your car and all those sort of things. Mm. So that's why we came up with the concept, um, the Pet Health Centre concept, that it was a way of, not only saying it, but showing it. Which, what, sorry, you, what was the concept you mentioned? Um, the Pet Health Centre. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about that because I think this is, um, this is a game changer. And, and, you know, just before you explain that, I mean, one of the things that I find in marketing is that if you build that emotional attachment between you and your customer, yes. then you've got them maybe for life. Certainly, they're, they're, they're going to find it harder to leave you if, they, if they're just dealing on price, then they're going to leave you every day of the week, the minute they find. I used to be the marketing manager at Flight Centre. So, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, it was, you know, it was expensive to be the to be the cheapest, you know. Yes. Okay. So experience is, is everything because it does create that emotion and people want experience, whether it's buying pet food or, you know, yes. going to Disneyland. Absolutely. We can learn a lot from going to Disneyland. So the six-point health check that you offer in your health centres. Well, what's a health centre look like and what's it offer? It's a physical setup, and that's what I said. So we couldn't just stand there and say, oh, we're good at what we do, we are pet experts, which we are because, you know, a lot of them have had years of training and know pet nutrition inside and out and know the difference between a flea and a tick and all those sort of things that animal owners need to know. To yell our point of difference to the customer, we put a physical setup in. So there's a, there's a bench, there's a set of scales, um, we have a, an electronic registration process so that you can bring your animal in and it's a free service mm-hmm. and see the knowledge that your local retailer has. So they go through a six-point check, um, you know, from nutrition and weight management right through to behaviour management and those six points you go through from top to tail. And it, it's it's a support service but it's also an education service. Um, my background is actually I'm a child and family health nurse by trade, if that's what you say. Mm-hmm. I, people, as a baby health nurse, people come into me to be reassured that they're doing the right things with their baby. So as we humanise our pets and we're now looking for quality nutrition and making sure their teeth are looked after, mm-hmm. I realise that the same model that was my baby health clinic could also flow through to a dog or a cat. Love it. Yeah, so... Love it. Yeah, we have people bring in their dog and mostly... It's, it's, it's a bit like going to the chemist before you go to the doctors. That's exactly what it is. It's because going to the vets or even going to the doctors is an expensive experience mm. and 
in my world, in the health world, people in the human health world, people used to come to validate their decision to go to the doctors because I don't want to spend $70 if I don't have to. But every time you said, I'm so sorry, you know, your baby's got a rash that I can't give you advice on, you need to go to the doctor, it was an easy decision for them. So it's the same in the pet world. The dog's got a, an infection in their ear, but they'd like to have the decision to go and spend $80 at the vets validated before they commit to $80 that is, oh, you could have just got a product from the pet shop. I shared this idea with my family last night of your six-point health check, and there was a little bit of scepticism, which I probably you've probably experienced out in the marketplace, which was... Oh, definitely. Definitely, definitely felt some scepticism, yes. Well, who, who, who is this person that's going to be making decisions around my pet? Are they a vet? No. So how do you overcome that one? Okay, so what we've done is we've set up an academy. So we have a Just for Pets Academy. Love it. And all our pet experts are trained. Pet experts. <laughs> pet experts, yes. Look, the reality is from the, a, a general consumer perspective, they don't understand how much training someone who works in a pet shop does. Mm. Yeah. There is training all of the time available, whether it be in nutrition, whether it be in parasite management, behaviour, looking after skin and coat, clipping nails, all of those sort of things. That happens just normally. For you, there's surely a marketing opportunity for you to share that. I mean, I'd love to see, maybe you've got it, but maybe a YouTube channel that goes into some detail and shares what people are learning who work in these shops. We have already. We've got a YouTube channel with exactly that because we're not just retail people. Mm. We are animal lovers. Mm. We're all passionate about our own animals. So whether it be on the back of that or... I don't know what it is, but we're all driven to learn. And I don't know anyone in my group, whether it's the owner or the staff, that doesn't know a lot about pets. And it might be one species. It might be they're a reptile, you know, nut or a, a fish nerd, as we call them in our industry, <laughs> uh, or, you know, an obsessive dog lover. Yep. But they all have information to share. Yeah. When we first rolled this idea out, we actually did a pilot and I met with the girls that we picked. We picked a certain area because... We're working on a shoestring budget. So we picked an area that we could get four stores into one television viewing area. Mm -hmm. So I met with the girls that were going to run the pet health centres inside the stores. They were beside themselves with fear at being called a pet expert. Yep. And I calmed them down. I said, just do one and come back to me and tell me what the experience was. Every single one of them said, but I knew all the answers. And I said, See, you've just got to trust in what you've already learnt. Mm. But what we've done is we've actually um, increased that and the academy is, is way more than just basic education. It's quite in-depth um, and there's six modules with a lot of lessons in each module so they are pet experts in every sense of the word. So the academy's delivered uh, online, on sort of an online training course. Yes. The, the, uh, the health centres, there is, there's a cost to that. It sounds like you're setting up a physical presence within an independent store. Is that something that just for pets cops or you ask the store to no, build that? We've actually we've, we've sought sponsorship. Love it. So we work with some very big brands in the pet industry. Geez, you're clever. I try. Keeps <laughs> <laughs> me awake at night, I've got to tell you. <laughs> oh, well, that's all right, you know. Sleeps, sleeps for whips. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> It's amazing what you can get done between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., huh? Absolutely. Actually, my, my special hour is 3.30. <laughs> oh, there you go, the magic hour. Yep. So do you um, – so you've gone, gone – okay, you've got an idea. Yes. You deal with some big brands, I guess, yes. pet food brands and all sorts, you know, uh, pharmaceutical brands, all sorts of – so you've said, hey, you want to put your name to the uh, Just for Pets Health Centre? That's exactly it, yes. Was that a hard sell? Look, I actually – 
the concept to the suppliers first because I knew that it was going to cost me some money yeah, right. and it was unanimously loved. Um, we, we nutted it out for a little while because that we, we walk a fine line in that um, we, we're not vets. We, we tell everyone we're not vets. Mm. We're not doing an examination as such. We're just working through everyday questions that you would come to the counter but putting them in a group. You know, the majority of people will ask about bad breath or, you know, a rash or my dog's overweight. So we've, we've condensed all those common questions into a process. And what we've actually discovered is the referrals to vets are quite high because people are coming to validate that decision. And we've actually got local vets working with us because they also, also saw that they're not getting that, they're not got that walkthrough traffic that a pet store has. So they're working quite closely with some of the pet shops as well. It would require an open-minded vet, I would have thought, because the initial instinct would be, well, you're going to take business. You're kind of taking business already. My son uh, works at the local vet. He has done for the last three years, and we go up there a bit, and, you know, they sell all the foods, and, you know, they've got all the gear there that I could potentially buy uh, at a Just for Pets member store. So good on those vets for being open-minded to the idea and... Well, as one of our vets um, actually said to us, I don't know who I don't know. And mm. you've got 100% traffic in a pet store that are pet owners. Mm. We found that like, it's something like 40% of the people that came through our pilot haven't vaccinated their animals and weren't necessarily across the need to vaccinate them. Mm. So suddenly those 40% are new vet clients. So when you're working with the vet, it's actually a win-win because some of the, the research shows that Albeit we're spending more on our pets than ever before, we're quite discretionary in that spend. You don't want to spend the vet money if you don't have to. Mm. So a free check identifies something that must go to the vet and in most instances we'll ring the vet and make the appointment there and then. Yeah, brilliant. So the, the, it's a win for the vet as well. So Karen, adding the health centre and the six-point health check to the member stores that have taken it up, what's it done for their bottom line? Uh, drastically increased basket size um, because people are buying products. It's more prevention as well. So they're spending more on their animals through our stores as a result of this culture. Love it. Yes. I love a good marketing idea. Have you got a big <laughs> one, uh, any, any other big ones sort of on the drawing board that scare the hell out of you but one day you think you'll implement? <laughs> uh, no, this one's still scaring me a fair bit. So. <laughs> Does it? Why? <laughs> yeah. Oh, just it, look, it's it's a process. It has to be implemented. You know, we've got 70 stores. I've got to implement it and implement it well in every one of those stores. Yeah, right. So for me, the next 12 months is about fine-tuning that, getting it absolutely right, making sure everyone's educated, um, making sure the vets are not offended, making sure we're working well with the vets. I've got to do that store by store. So that's How my, many member stores have you got it in? Right now we've got it in 39. Wow. We've got a, another 12 that are committed so they will roll out over the next couple of months so it won't be all of them because there's some that are you know are more produce stores and and they're not set up to do this sort of thing mm-hmm. and and i'm very comfortable with that so my goal is 50 and and we'll hit we'll hit that basically with this next lot love your work yeah thank you so much well, it's just a good story and, you know, I love the idea of, you know, A, offering experiences in marketing is good and seeing the independents do so well is also good. One one last question about your marketing. You've got a petalogue, which I love. That's a yes. magazine. Is that a printed magazine? I've got the PDF in front of me, but is that a printed magazine? Yeah, so we've got – petalogue is actually our catalogue, so that's our selling tool. 
um, we also do have a magazine. Uh-huh. We have a quarterly seasonal magazine. Um, the winter one's just about to be released. Oh, that's what I've got in front of me because the headline that absolutely caught my attention was, could a pet barking gecko be right for you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? No, definitely not. A pet barking gecko. Really? But you didn't know about a barking gecko until you read that, did you? I, I had no idea. I don't mind the sound of a gecko. It kind of means that I'm in the tropics, but I don't need one barking at me the whole time. Barking. <laughs> it's a cute bark. <laughs> Do they sell little tiny little collars that give them a little electric shock every time they bark? <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> well, about time they – That's I'm off. I'm going to go and invent that. I've been looking for a product that I can get to market. Oh, yeah, you being a pay service. me that and you come back and see me. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Hey, thanks, Karen, for sharing. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been a pleasure. Do you need a speaker for your next conference? Recommend Timbo to your event organiser. Or better still, book him. Tim Reed. That's R-E-I-D dot com dot A-U. Um, a gecko idea. The gecko collar. Hey, that's got legs. That'll do. That's my product idea going forward. What's yours? Hope you enjoyed that little fireside chat with Karen. I certainly did. Uh, what a wonderful lady. As I said, hit her up over at Just for Pets AUS on Twitter. Uh, and I want to share my top three learnings from chatting to Karen, thanks to Net Registry and the guys at Audible. Number one, try not to hit the panic button when things go wrong. Take a step back and look at what's really happening. I like that one. Big breath. Number two, I love the Health Centre six-point health check idea to drive more traffic and increase basket size. Have a think at how that kind of thinking could apply in your business. Doesn't mean you have to introduce a six-point health check, but hey, maybe that's what you do if you're a service provider of some sort, a plumber, marketing consultant, whatever it may be, you might be able to introduce some kind of six-point health check for your clients. It's good thinking. Adds a lot of value. Speaking of value, number three, learning. I loved Karen's focus on offering an experience. We speak a lot about this on the show and it removes the need to compete on price. You build an emotional attachment, you build a brand and people love you forever. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Karen. I certainly loved bringing it to you. The artist Pablo Picasso once said... Every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. So I just want to give you some insight into an interview I've got coming up for you next week. So what I'm doing more and more of is doing these pre-interviews with my guests where I hook up with them a few days beforehand and have a chat to find out what area we should really focus on to ensure that the interview that I bring you is the best it can be. So I did my pre-interview with next week's guest a day before I interviewed him. Now, this guy's name's Ben, and he has a business, an online business called My Nice Tie. What was interesting about Ben is that he's created a video on YouTube that's all about how to tie a tie that has 25 million views, right? So when I see that, I'm going, this guy must be creating a monster business and earning an absolute poultice as a result of it. So I contacted him, did the pre-interview, 
Uh, he revealed how much he was earning as a result of having 25 million views with one YouTube video and the flow-on effect to his online tie store. And it wasn't what I was expecting. So then coming towards the end of the pre-interview, here's what Ben said to me. So uh, one other question from what I've told you about the business, um, it probably looks bigger than it is. Correct. And I find that really interesting. Is this enough information? Is it going to be interesting to people, you think? You know, my angle, and I'm glad you raised it because when you said 25 grand, you know, I, I, could, I was quite easily thinking, what, a day? A month. <laughs> Very interesting, hey? So look out for that chat with Ben next week. I think I'll title it something like when marketing's working beautifully but not necessarily generating the sales you dreamt of. Follow Timbo on Twitter at Timbo Reed. That's R-E-I-D. Righto, so that almost brings us to the end of what has been an action-packed show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, as I said, uh, interesting interview next week. If you're serious about taking your business to the next level, then join hundreds of motivated business owners inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum over at Crank My Marketing. Be sure to hit me up on Twitter at Timbo Reed and be sure to use NetRegistry to get all your online marketing sorted and grab your free audio book thanks to Audible over at audibletrial.com forward slash SBBM. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reed. Always have been, always will be. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.